What's going on, coaches? We've got a lot of great feedback from our newest episode of Talking Ball on RTP Premium. Uh, we talked with Coach Millison. He came down. We talked a lot of football, got up on the whiteboards. Uh, he showed a bunch of the film he had, uh, a lot of counter and power and and uh, a lot of different things that you can do off of that and, and how he runs his program. So got a lot of great feedback. Make sure you guys on an RTP Premium, make sure you go check that out. Uh, it was a great video that we got to record over at the dojo. Uh, you guys, if you're not a part of RTP Premium, you can go check that out. It's at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us, if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Chris Siebel. Coach Siebel is the OC at Bowling Green High School in Bowling Green, Kentucky. This is we talk with Coach Siebel about all things offense and play calling. You can follow Coach Siebel on Twitter at Chris Siebel. Hope you guys enjoy. Graduated high school in, in uh, 1993. Um, played high school football. Had a uh, couple opportunities to go play uh, at small schools and uh, decided not to do that. Um, wanted to go ahead and, and just go be a student. Um, didn't have a lot of success in, in high school. My, my high school team uh, didn't and I convinced myself that I was just kind of burnt out with football because of that. And, you know, now, uh, however many years later, I'm 45 now, you know, I can look back and say, man, that was a dumb decision. Um, you know, you guys, I know I've listened to the podcast. Y'all are, are uh, guys that have played at the collegiate level, and, and I think you miss out on so many more opportunities. Um, but anyway, that's that's kind of what happened with me. Uh, decided to uh, attend Western Kentucky University, which is uh, right here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, graduated and had an opportunity to go back immediately and begin teaching and coaching at my alma mater. And uh, my alma mater is Edmondson County High School, which is a very small high school in south central Kentucky. 
Um, and so I had my dream job right off the bat, or so I thought. And uh, went back and worked three years uh, at Edmonton County High School as uh, an O-line coach. Um, and then went through some, some things in my personal life and decided I just needed to move on uh, from my hometown and moved. Uh, just so happened my father lived a county north of where I was uh, at presently, and, and that was our big rival. And uh, I got an opportunity to, to get a, a job at Grayson County. Um, like I said, that's Edmondson County's bitter rival. Um, and so that was a unique situation for me. And I went there, coached there. Uh, actually, I spent two years as the middle school head football coach there. And uh, our high school program brought in a new, a new coach, new head coach. And he and I met, and he asked if I would be interested in coming up and coaching with him. Went up, coached O-line for him for a year, and then took over as offensive coordinator and did that for five years for him. Um, that's where I learned the option. I know in our conversation initially about this podcast, um, talked about, you know, how I transitioned from running the option to running the spread. And so I run, ran the option at Grayson County High School for, for, uh, for six years for our head football coach, Ed Smart, uh, whom I dearly love and respect. And uh, had an opportunity, though, to move to Bowling Green High School, which is uh, in about an hour south of where I was at. Uh, Bowling Green's a, a perennial powerhouse in uh, big school football in Kentucky, 5A, uh, which is the second largest class in Kentucky. And I uh, had an opportunity to uh, come down to Bowling Green High in 2010, uh, coached for a year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we're a platoon system at Bowling Green High, so uh, I only had to worry about one side of the ball, which was unique for me. Uh, having been at smaller schools, you know, you have to coach on both sides of the ball. And so I get to Bowling Green High, coach on defense for a year, and then I took over the offensive line um, at Bowling Green High in 2011. Uh, 2011 and 12, we won back-to-back -back state titles, Class 5A, and um, I had an opportunity to go to another local high school here in Bowling Green called Greenwood High School and had an opportunity to become their head football coach. So I took that opportunity and I was at Greenwood High School for five years as the head football coach. Um, Greenwood High School is a, in a multi-school district. Um, Warren County is the district there and there's four high schools. And so with that, I'm not sure how it is in Oklahoma, but um, with that, that presented quite a few challenges for me. and. Just felt like I was uh, always kind of banging my head into the wall with some things and um, went through a, a Bowling Green High, went through a, a head coaching change, and Mark Spader got the head football job here at Bowling Green High. And, uh, he and I had coached together at Bowling Green uh, when I was here in my first stint, again, talking with Coach Spader, and um, he gave me an opportunity to come, to come back to Bowling Green High. So I did that in uh, 2018 as the offensive line coach and then um, our offensive coordinator moved into administration. So I took over the OC job this past season. So I've been back at Bowling Green for two years now, one as a position coach, and then this last season, as I said, as offensive coordinator. So 21 years coaching football uh, all together um, at, at several different local high schools uh, here in South Central Kentucky. So that's kind of my story. I love it, Coach. So, so let's go ahead and get right into it. So, you, you did kind of make that, you know, switch from from option football to more of a spread, um, you know, offense. I've always, you know, I always hear everyone talk about the new spread offense as just a shotgun. You know, certain offenses being a shotgun, basically option um, out of the shotgun. You know, depending on how you do it. But if you look at at if you're going zone read. Uh, and then you go an RPO off of that, you know, it's to a lot of guys that becomes a triple option type of play, even though it's not traditional, you know, triple option, obviously. Um, did you, do you marry any of that stuff into now running a spread offense or is it completely different than, than your option thoughts? No, we do that, um, which was also part of the transition. Um, when I was here in 10, 11, and 12, we had we had just moved 
to the spread, and it was the Tony Franklin type spread where um, we would we were throwing it all over the place. You know, the quarterback. Uh, we had some quarterback run game because we had one in particular really talented quarterback, but uh, especially in uh, 2012, our quarterback didn't run the football. He stood back there and threw it, and we would throw it anywhere from 20 to 35 times a game, depending upon who we were playing and, and what you were giving us. And so I left, went to Greenwood, came back, and when I came back, um, there were still some things that we were doing along the Tony Franklin-type system uh, but then when I took over last year, we began doing a lot more of zone read, um, RPO-type stuff in the passing game, um, counter read, you, you know, you name it. We'll, we'll read the backside five technique, quarterback pull it, he's out the back door. Or we'll read the backside linebacker or the, the overhang on our, on our RPO and things like that, things that everybody else is doing now. But, yeah, we, we were – Strictly Tony Franklin initially, and then as I took over, we kind of transitioned. So it's not only been a transition from running the option going to the spread, but it's also been a transition from going from old school spread to kind of what you consider nowadays uh, spread, where it's more option through the air. Coach, you know, being a, an option guy to, to start with, I would imagine you're, you're probably super detailed with you know, quarterback footwork, you know, where his eyes need to be, the discipline of, you know, the things in the run game. How much has that kind of changed you, you know, being in the shotgun? Do you feel like it's maybe a little bit more lax or do you still find yourself like, yeah, we got to make sure our footwork's tight here, you know, making sure our our eyes are in the correct place and then being able, you know, kind of explode off that disconnect when I do pull it. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, when we, kind of set this up for tonight, I, I, I kind of talked to you guys about uh, some of the issues I've had going from the beer to the spread, transitioning from a coordinator in one office to the other. And that was one of the things that I wrote down. Um, I would say that here before, the coaching staff's always been very detail-oriented, but some of the things that I focus on with details are like what you're talking about, quarterback footwork, mesh point with our backs and things like that. And you know, there was even um, a time this season that one of my assistant coaches on the offensive side was like, Coach, do, you know, do the quarterbacks, our quarterbacks really need to mesh as much as they are with our running backs with what we do. And uh, it's like, we, we've not really ever done that much before. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's something that I have really focused in on and we, we probably do a lot more of than they have done here in the past. Is that something you have, you know, certain drills for? I know it, sometimes I think it's hard to do it, you know, in, in Indy, you know, maybe you got a quarterback running, you know, running backs. Is that something you kind of have group periods? I know we've, we've kind of graduated to, you know, RPO drills. I know when I was running some of the, you know, Urban Meyer spread option stuff and spread triple, you know, we had a, a ton of group periods where we tried to get as many reps as we could, knowing that if you're going to do those things, you really have to work on that kind of ball handling aspect of, you know, when you're running, quote, option, you don't want the ball on the ground. Right, absolutely. That's that's a, a cardinal sin. Um, so we we do. Um, you know, obviously we have individual periods just like everybody does. But at the same time, uh, kind of going along with what you're saying, you know, our quarterbacks, running backs, and even our uh, we call it our H and our Y. You know, kind of our slot inside receivers um, that are guys that are catching some of our RPO routes and things like that. Uh, more, you know, they'll work all together. In a small group setting, and so you'll you'll watch us uh, go through some individual type stuff. So if you were at a practice, and then our quarterbacks and running backs will get together, and they'll do some stuff together, and then those other guys will come over and just kind of expand on that group and and go to a you know another phase of what we're trying to get done that day in practice. But yes, uh, we'll we'll work a lot in small groups to get those type of things done. So, Coach, my, my kind of question, and, and this may be way off, I, I don't know much about, you know, option-style uh, offense, what little I have heard. I heard about 20 minutes, um, and I don't even – I'm sure it's different, but I, I got to sit in on uh, Georgia Tech's offensive line coach at the time for about 20 minutes until the other coaches yanked me out of the that clinic because we had to go back to Oklahoma that day. It was like the last day of the clinic, so I missed it. But um, the the little bit of time that I got to spend in there – it was, you know, they were talking about like a, a counting system that they used uh, when they were running option. And they had 
certain numbers and, and it was a whole numbering system out and uh, you know, you know, whatever they were doing on the backside, it was, it was foreign really to me with how I had ever been taught with a zone or gap or even some of our man scheme stuff. First, I guess, is that kind of how you guys ran when you ran option? Were you a, a number or account based system and option? And, and if so, how did you change that or how did you morph that into the schemes that you guys are running now? Yeah, we, we were account system. Um, you know, as I said, you know, I learned the option at Grayson County. I was there six years. And then um, when I went to Greenwood, um, we started in the spread for one of my years there. And I quickly uh, came to the understanding that we just simply didn't have the type of athletes that I was accustomed to at Bowling Green High. And so we went to the beer. And so, you know, I spent, I, I don't know, nine, ten years, I guess, then running the option. And so, you know how it is when you, uh, are in a, an offensive system and you go clinical people and you pick up stuff. And so when I was at Grayson County, um, I, I, we, did, we, we didn't have a count system. Uh, the head coach that taught it to me, uh, just you had to know who was your dive read, who was your pitch read, et cetera. And so um, during that time, during my uh, time at Grayson County, um, as I began diving into it and learning more, um, I started going to the Naval Academy. And so I made a couple of trips up to the Naval Academy uh, during my time at Grayson. And then when I was at Greenwood, uh, I, I made some more trips there. And now it's a every spring break trip for me and my wife, uh, even even now, because she's fallen in love with the city of Annapolis. But uh, so I learned I learned the count system from those guys at the Naval Academy. Um, so, you know, in coaching the beer, you know, uh, we, we taught our offensive linemen, our quarterback and our our B-back or our full-back, whatever you want to call him, uh, who was one in the count, who's two in the count, who's three in the count. Three is, three is the force player. we got to go block the force player. So it extended to our perimeter guys then, and, and we would teach. We then eventually morphed that into teaching, even on our auxiliary-type run plays, how to, how to block the perimeter. Um, so, you know, on a Friday night when the bullets are flying, you know, and you're making adjustments with your kids. I might be on the sideline or one of my assistants on the sideline talking to our kids about, you know, on the perimeter, no, you've got to block three and you've got to block four. Now, you guys are going to switch it this time. You're going to block four and you're going to block three. And so um, once once the kids understood how to count, it was very simple. And so coming back to Bowling Green High, um, we, we don't do that nearly as much, obviously, because we're not a, a, a triple option like the Naval Academy or like what I was at previous school that I was at, but we do have a count system in terms of how we block things on the perimeter sometimes. The offensive line, uh, we, we teach a count system there uh, as well for depending on what scheme we're running, how, how, how to count who we're blocking. Uh, so I've, I've kind of brought that back with us, and uh, one of the guys that coached for me at Greenwood, he's, he's our quarterback coach now here, and so you know he and I are able to speak that same language and sometimes our O-line coach uh, or our receivers coach, you know, they're kind of looking at us in staff and he's like, what, what are you two guys talking about? <laughs> and so we've had, to, we've had to kind of, you know, bring those guys along with them as well with us. And uh, they've done a good job picking that up. But, yes, to a long answer to your question, yes, we, we ran account system and, and I brought it here and we've tried to morph it a little bit to fit what we're doing now here. So, Coach, how, how does that work with, you know, I'm going to assume you guys are running, you know, in spread, some inside zone, maybe some counter and, and one back power. How do you, how do you use a, a count, and obviously you don't have to give up all your secrets, but how do you use a count system? And I know it's hard without any kind of film or video, but how do you use a count system with, you know, inside zone or outside zone or whatever it is that you guys are running? Um, because I, I've heard teams doing that, but for whatever reason, I could never just – wrap my brain around it yeah well for um for inside zone we don't use it usually we use it for i classify things being an o-line guy uh into schemes and so mm -hmm. you know uh, the biggest way that we use it is when we are doing our base schemes which is like if we're running ice for example um we identify who number one is on the line of scrimmage who number two is on the line of scrimmage and so the guards and tackles know who to block uh, based on that um However, we use the we have used the count system for our, our stretch play, which is our version of outside zone. Um, and so I can tell you how we do that real quick. 
we if we put a tight end down, we we will tell our tight end that he's responsible for letting everybody else know how to block it. And so when we put a tight end down outside zone, we tell him he's responsible for the end man on the line of scrimmage. And so uh, you know, if you've got, say, we're playing a, a, an even front defense, he's giving us a three technique on the play side guard and a, a six technique on the tight end or a seven technique, whatever you call it, he, we, had, we have to identify who's one and on outside zone, we identify from outside in because it's outside zone, which is probably a cheesy way to, to teach that, but it works for our kids. And so our tight end will literally look and say, oh, that's the last guy on the line of scrimmage, that's one. And then our tackle's responsible for two. So if it's a, a three-six look like we talked about, the tight end will take the six. Our tackle will take the three, and our tackle will relay it down. Hey, I'm blocking uh, one. The three technique is one. Our guard will skip pull, so we pin and pull that. Um, you know, if we had, for example, a five and a nine technique to our tight end surface, then our tackle would we call it stretch footwork, stretch to the five, tight end stretch to the nine, and then the guard will stretch through B gap. So not sure that that's uh, the way that most people do that, but it's worked for us and we've had a lot of success with it um, here over the years. Heck yeah. So, so when you get that, like that three, four look, that overhang linebacker, do you count him as on the line of scrimmage? I mean, even though he is back at a yard? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. We've got a, we, we teach our tight end. You know, if he's within a certain area, we, gotcha. we've got to go ahead and count him. Usually we go two by two. That we've got a really sense. good tight end. Uh, we've got a guy that's a power five tight end. And so we can get away with him. You know, if you want to cheat him out a little bit further, we can still put him in the count and, and probably get him blocked with our tight end. So we've been very fortunate with that. Well, awesome. I, I didn't realize that. Well, let's talk about let's talk about having a really good tight end coach. Let's so so what are some things that you try to do? Um you know, because we always hear all the time, you know, not all the time, but a lot of times it's a high school coaches. The thing you hear a lot is we just don't have those tight end type body kids that run around the, our school. So we just don't use one, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and which may be true. They probably don't have a power five tight end running around, but I still think there's still bodies enough to play tight end. But, you know, we've got to morph a lot of times at our school at Broken Arrow it's normally our, you know, our, our third best tackle is playing tight end, you know, because we're very run heavy or, you know, it's, it's, you know, that's what we're trying to do with it. We haven't in a, in a few years had that guy that's a, a division one tight end. What are you trying to do? What are some mis, you know, some mismatches that you're trying to use that tight end? How do you guys, you know, move him around? What are you trying to do to take advantage of having a guy like that and putting him at tight end? Well, uh, to be quite honest, you know, last year I said, you know, last year's my first year calling our offense. And uh, to be really honest with you, I didn't do a great job uh, getting our, our guy the football. Um, he, great kid, uh, great student athlete. And, and so it was never an issue, but it was always in the back of my mind, hey, he's really good. We've got to get him the football. And I, I feel like it was a product of me coming in, learning on the fly, uh, getting, getting my feet wet, calling this type of offense, and um, just, just not being really comfortable in the in the offense until we got into the latter part of, of the season, to be honest, probably the last third of the season and then the playoffs. And so I didn't do a great job getting that young man the football. And so <clears throat> this past offseason, I've spent a lot of time talking to people and studying uh, some schools that, that have good tight ends and how they utilize them and working on ways to get, get our guy the football. Um, because – the truth is, in running the veer, um, we were pretty simplistic in our passing game, and I had a pretty good tight end. Obviously, wasn't a power five tight end, but I had a pretty good tight end at one point. And you know, we would we would do some things with him, uh, sprinting out and, and letting him run routes and throwing him the football. And and at the end of the day, you can always fake inside veer and raise up and throw and hit the tight end on just a straight tight end dump. And 
you know, I, w I can remember sitting in staff meetings think thinking and saying to my guys, we've got to throw our guy the football, but it, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know how I want to say this, that system that we run, everything works together, and there's not really a, hey, we're just going to raise up and throw it to this guy type thing. And so this offseason, like I said, I've spent quite a bit of time working on trying to figure out ways to get into football. So that's a that's a prelude into me answering your question. Um, we do lots of things where we will uh, we'll RPO, and then he's he's the guy from a down tight end set. You know, we'll run, for example, inside zone to our left, and he'll be a down tight end on the right, and he'll run a little stick route right behind the little backside linebacker. Um, that's been a great one for us. Um, we'll flex him out as well and do that. And last year we did that quite a bit more. Um, there are some things that we do. We put him in the backfield as that uh, the kind of the H-back. People call it H-back. People, Some people call it a sniffer back, what have you. And so we'll run split zone with him, and then we'll let him slip right past the five technique, and our quarterback just throw it to him, just dump it to him. Um, we do have some play actions that we were we were going to put in this spring, and obviously that didn't work out because of all this with the virus. But um, we'll run we'll run uh, ice with him as the lead blocker. We'll run counter trade with him where he's the second uh, puller through, and throw him the football off of those. Um, and so that that one can get a little dicey, but that can be a, a big play too. You know, if you're running ice at a, at a front side linebacker and he goes to field and your back just slips right by him and you, and you hit it, you know, I, I'm not sure as a defensive coach how you would defend that, um, but that's a good play for us as well, a good way just to get him to football. How – and I know, like you said, you, you kind of got there late and, and he, you know, must have already been at tight end maybe after talking with the staff or I'm sure you've kind of been in meetings about, you know, personnel, how do you guys come to the conclusion that a kid like that should be playing tight end? I mean, especially if you're wanting to have kids play just one way or the other, um, it seems like for us anyways, like it, at my high school, it's like it almost like we always lose that guy to either playing defensive end or playing linebacker, you know, right. or, or he's a little bit skinny, and I say, let's put a lot of weight on him and put him at tight end, but then the receivers, you know, steal him because they want him to be at receiver, you know. Right. And then and then also there's probably that kid there that's super athletic and, and is a mauler, going to be a good tight end, and then I'm probably trying to also steal him and put him at my left tackle position. So how do you guys come, you know, decide on, hey, we're putting this kid at tight end. This is our guy, and he's going to tight end. Well, to be fair um... – during my time at Bowling Green High, we've had some some decent tight ends, some some pretty good tight ends, I guess. But um, we've not had anybody like this young man. And when he started here as a freshman, I was the head coach at, at the other high school that I was talking about previously. So I wasn't involved in the process of deciding to put him at tight end, um, but I had to coach against him. And so initially uh, they had put him at tight end and I know when talking with the staff before, they just said, you know, he's he runs really well. He's long at that point in time. As a freshman, he's probably 6'2". Um, and, and ran really well, but wasn't a burner where they could put him on the outside. Um, they knew from his older brother played here. His older brother um, was a linebacker uh, who's also a Power 5 kid. Um, so they knew – in the next couple of years, he was going to really thicken up and fill out based on uh, his older brother and his father and uh, what they look like. And so they made the decision, you know, we're going to put him in tight end. Now, for me, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine him playing any other spot for us. Um, although when I got here the, the first go-round, I'm sorry, the, the first year back and I wasn't the OC, I actually had a conversation with him about moving to tackle because um, although at that point in time he wasn't a power five recruit, you could tell he was he's a big, good-looking kid. And I said, you know, if you want to try to make some money on Sundays, you need to come over here with me, baby, and play some left tackle like you're talking about. Um, but he wants to catch the football. <laughs> Sounds like some conversations I've had. 
Right, right. And and I fully believe he could probably do that, um, to be quite honest with you, because he is uh, – right now he's 6'4 to 6'5. He's about 235, um, and he is not fat. And so I, he, he probably could put some, some weight on and do that. But um, he enjoys playing tight end for us. He likes catching the football. He does a great job at it. And um, so, so we're just tickled to death to have him there. I think that's so important. You know, you make the, the comment about you know, finding ways to get those guys the ball. I know, you know, when you play in the, the spread and whether you're a, a 20 personnel or 11 personnel team, you know, you're going to have that dude involved in the run game so much. You know, it's, it's, it's only so often, you know, there's so many things you can do when you're running the ball in, in 10 personnel that all of a sudden, you know, you kind of fall in love with, man, we can really run the ball here in 11 and, and, and get him, put him off and move him all around. You really build up a lot of tendencies. And, you know, it's so important, you know, guys make fun of it. You know, I don't, I don't look at stats. I'm like, well, I'm the other way. I look at stats all the time. Like, I want to know who we're throwing the ball to, you know, like defensive guys, when they break down my film, they, they know who we're targeting the most. They know who they have to cover. And if, if every player on the field, all five skill positions are going to be, you know, guys that will throw the ball to, that's a lot more difficult to defend. So I know, you know, you, you're talking when you took the job. I took the job at Broken Arrow. I mean, we'd thrown the ball to the tailbacks three times the year before, you know, and I think we'd thrown the ball to the tight end like four times. So that was – it really resonated with me, you saying, man, we need to find ways to throw the ball to the tailback, throw the ball to our tight ends just so people have to cover them. And guess what? Our running game got a lot better. Now all of a sudden you have a 2,000-yard rusher because people are up off you a little bit. Right, right. And we, and we have done um... – the guy that we've got is not a guy that we can uh, – I'm sure we could hand him the ball and he would do okay with that, but uh, he's, he's probably really not that kind of guy. Uh, but we have – we ran the heck out of some screens to him last year as well. Uh, we would – you know, we'll leave him in for pass protection if we're playing somebody that's, that's really good because uh, he is a big body and he's athletic and got great feet. So he can stay in sometimes in pass pro – and so we'll do that a little bit, and then we'll throw a screen to him sitting in there off of that. And that is a, that's been a good play for us as well in a, in a way to, to get him the ball, just an easy way to get him the ball. So, um, you know, he, he, he has done a great job um, being very positive because I know as a power five guy, you know, when you're a skilled guy that's used to touching the ball, you're probably thinking, hey, I need, to, I need to be touching the ball seven, eight times a game. And there were games that he did that, but there were also games that he had three or four touches. And so, uh, you know, that, that's just something we've got to get better at. But, again, going back to what I said initially, uh, never, never any kind of, of uh, anything negative from him whatsoever. So it just speaks volumes about the type of kid he is. Coach, how do you guys run that little tight end screen? I'm, I'm curious because that's, that's something I'm trying to get better at, and I think screens are probably one of the more undercoached things yeah. well, out there. So I think it's always a cool thing to hear. We, um, we get into uh, – of course, we're an 11 personnel uh, group uh, grouping most of the time uh, with him as the tight end, and so we'll stick him in that sniffer position or that, that position in the backfield. Um, and uh, – have our tailback in the pistol usually. So we're two by one with those two guys in the backfield. That's a heavy run formation for us. And uh, out of that, we'll play action a lot, obviously. We will do some drop back and things like that. So uh, we'll, we'll play action and uh, let him sit in there as part of the protection and then get him out on the screen. So. For, for lack of a better way to, to really describe it, I guess, uh, we run a tailback screen. Uh, we're the center and two guards. We'll pass set, 1,001, 1,002, and then we'll leap one way or another. So if it's we want to to the right, you know, the three of those guys will work to the right, and then they'll work up the field, up the hash. And uh, so we do that with him as well. We'll take our back sometimes, exit our back out of the backfield, you know, just for some, some eye candy for the defense, and then drop back to pass and then dump it to that guy, our tight end, uh, on that same screen that we do with our tailback. So for our kids, it's really simple. It's the exact same screen. It's just two different guys doing it. We call it the exact same thing. We just tag it. You know, he's our, our tight end's our Y, so we'll tag it as a Y. Uh, if we don't have the Y tag on there, then it's just to our tailback. So it's very simple for our kids. 
course, the O-line, it's the same exact same play. They don't know who's getting the football. Um, but that one has been a really good one for us and uh, will be something that I hope that we can do again next year and be good at as well. Love it. Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. No problem. Coach, is that something with a guy like that? And, and is, is that a guy you can split out and, and do a bunch of things? That, and I'm assuming it is. So did you guys have to put in a bunch of different things in your offense to move them all around? Or was that kind of already in the offense that gave you the versatility to, I'm sure, you know, on the line of scrimmage and 20 personnel out at a receiver, being able to be real multiple with a kid like that? Right. I'm fortunate in that um... – the guy that was those before me is, in my opinion, he's he's brilliant, offensive mind. Um, so I had an opportunity to work for him for a year, and then I had the opportunity to work for him in years past as both of us being position coaches. And then prior to him, uh, the head coach that was here is one of the Kentucky's all-time winning state coaches, and he called the offense. So he's another guy that's that's uh, really good uh, X's and O's wise, and so. They, they had kind of laid that foundation for us, and I just kind of came in and just tried to continue keeping on what they were doing, uh, but, you know, making a few little tweaks here and there to fit my, my personality and kind of what I wanted to do. But uh, to get back to your question, you know, we'll, we'll go trips and put him on the one receiver side, which was something that was built into the offense before I got here. And uh, – that that's been good for us and that's something that we'll do a lot more this next year you know to single him up on the one receiver side and uh we'll run you know just just an out route slant route a hitch route um you know and, and some teams will want to play off because he's so big uh, they'll they'll stay back some teams will want to get up and press and, and the truth is he's not going to blow by people but he's got good enough footwork he can get off the line of scrimmage he can run a little bit and like I said, he's he's such a big kid. Uh, we can get the ball thrown up to him and just go get it too. So, um, you know, to answer your question, yes, we we split him out a lot as well. I got you. Well, well, perfect. So, so coach, um, when you're when you're dealing with tight end again, we're we're kind of moving into I think probably being a little bit more. Um, we've been you know based out of twenty one. I think this year, uh, you know, depending on how this whatever, you know, spring we get goes, you know, it looks like we're going to have a little more skilled kids. We might base out of a little bit more 11 personnel, you know. So, like I said, in the past, it was like, hey, who's our third best tackle? Put him at tight end. He already kind of knows how to run block. We're all right. Um, with a guy that truly is a skilled athlete, what do you guys do in practice to teach him, or not just teach him, but teach that position um, everything they need to know about run block, about – you know, if you're having them staying in pass block, they're just – to me, that tight end is such a special position because other than the quarterback, they've got to know as much as everybody else. I mean, more than everyone but the quarterback with position, right. run game, and pass game and all this, and then the techniques behind all that. How do you guys in practice uh, work the run game technique with your tight end position? Well, to be honest, it's been a struggle. Um Again, me coming in and, and coordinating an offense uh, like this for the first year, um, and then also working with uh, the staff, part, portion of the staff that was here previously, um, who was used to that. We're gonna we're gonna spread you out, and throw it all over the place mentality, uh, and then you're gonna come in and say, all right, now the tight end's got to go over here with the whole line, and you know some of those guys are like, what? You know, what are you talking about? Go with the whole line. Um, and so it, it's been a challenge because, you know, you're, you're uh, still in minutes here and there to do it. And so I have um, – we've got uh, – I guess we've got four tight ends in our program right now that are sophomore through senior. Um, I'm sorry, we have five. So uh, we, we've done a couple different things where I'll say, you know, on Tuesdays for 10 minutes – of individual, you know, we typically we, we usually do 15 to 20 minutes of individual each day. Um, the tight ends are coming with O-line, and they're working stretch blocks. They're working down blocks. They're, they're, uh, they're getting in the backfield, and we're running split zone, and, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap them to the next level uh, as well. And so they've got to work that. And, and then we, 
we'll run what a lot of people call zone insert. That's what we call it. We zone the front side with O-line and, and face the back side and, and let the tight end lead up on the backside linebacker. So they've got to work all that. And so I, I've done it, like I said, you know, uh, Tuesdays, you know, two-thirds of individual tight ends are with O-line. I've done it where uh, in, in the summertime we even did it where uh, uh, you, you three tight ends, you are with the O-line for individual today. You two are with the skill guys. Tomorrow we'll flip that and, and try to do it that way as well. Uh, because you're right. I mean, those tight ends, especially, uh, you know, when you've got a good one, you want to do things where you throw the ball to them. So they've got to know what to do out there. And uh, especially when you've got one like we've got who's, who's really good at blocking, you want to throw the ball on the perimeter and screens and let him go block. But you also want to put him uh, on the line of scrimmage or in the backfield and let him become part of your run game as well. And so it's a, it's a challenge to, uh, to kind of balance that. So that, that, that's another challenge I've dealt with, uh, transitioning from one offense to the other, I guess. Coach, you talk about also that, that transition, you know, to a different style of spread. You know, how have your practices kind of changed? You know, and, and maybe you can even kind of talk about how you've, you've evolved, you know, from an option guy to Tony Franklin to, you know, probably now kind of a combination of the two. You know, how has that changed how you practice? Do you practice longer? Do you practice shorter? Are you guys smarter about it? I'm always interested to hear because I think that's kind of that one of those things that really sets the the good programs apart from some of the ones that might struggle a little bit. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'm gonna say is you know um, we we go during the season for about an hour and fifty minutes on the field, um, and that fluctuates. If we're a little longer in the film room, it might be an hour forty-five or an hour forty. Um, we get out early, it might be one fifty-five. You know, so it it fluctuates a little bit. Um, but I'm always begging our, our head coach for a little more time. Um, you know, and in running the veer, that uh, challenge that I've faced is everything's kind of compartmentalized. You know, when I ran the veer, we would take uh, 15 minutes was a long inside run period running the veer, even though that was the majority of your offense. Um, typically, we could go about 10 minutes and, and rep out about 16 inside run plays. And the biggest portion of your, your run game is taken care of. And uh, it's just not that way with what we do now. Uh, so, you know, when I first came back, uh, again, some of the assistants were, were true Trump, Tony Franklin disciples, even got one guy on staff that played for Hal Mummy at UK um, and is good friends with Tony Franklin, actually. And, uh, he wants to do everything the way that, that Tony Franklin has taught, this is how you practice. Um, and so we've had to, you know, kind of work with each other and, and make sure that we're still doing the things that we need to do uh, to be good at throwing the football. But at the same time, we're throwing it in a different way as well. So we've got to do those types of things. Um, in practice, you know, we have an RPO period where we practice that. Like I said with our, earlier, our quarterbacks and backs spend more time to get the meshing. And then, uh, you know, the tight ends have to go with the O-line more now than what they did in the past. So that's been a challenge um, for me. That's that's another issue I've had in, in transitioning uh, because everything in, in the offense we're running now doesn't fit neatly in the little boxes. There's just so much overlap uh, with what we do. And, and so I feel like it gets taught that way. But it doesn't fit into those boxes like it did when I ran Is that something where, you know, you, you kind of try to do it by day, you know, like RPO generally is going to be, you know, a first and 10, maybe, you know, a second, second down, you're trying to pick up, you know, four or five yards to get it to third and manageable. You know, is that something you kind of do by day? And then, you know, obviously you go in, maybe it's Wednesday and it's situational. How do you kind of try to break some of those things up to where, you know, it's not like we're doing the exact same thing every single day during a normal game week? Yeah, RPO, uh, during the summer, we, we worked RPOs every day um, early on uh, for an extended period of time, and then we narrowed that back as we got closer to uh, the actual season. And then once we got into season, uh, we, we took individual time or small group time, I should say, to rep that on Tuesdays. And so on Tuesdays, um, our head coach loves loves on Tuesdays to go goal line period, uh, ones on ones. And so uh, 
we do that for five minutes, um, but that's as long as he wants to go because we've got a lot of bodies banging into each other in a short, uh, shortened area, small condensed area. And so we can take five minutes and you go line and then we'll go five minutes uh, RPO and we'll service ourselves. And then on Wednesdays, we do a period we call pass under pressure, which is very similar. Uh, it's ones on ones, but it's out in the field and he's bringing every kind of junk he can at us and we're trying to pick up the football. That's an extended period. So that's more like a 10 minute period. So we lose that five minutes that we do for RPOs. So uh, we cut back, like I said, and just on Tuesdays, we'd work our RPOs at that point in time. And then, uh, of course, always, obviously, when you're um, when you're working your team offense, we would work some of it in there and uh, and try to work it in as much as you can any other time, you know, when you feel like you need to be repping something or, or if you're struggling with something. But um, I, I'm not even sure if I'm answering your questions now. I'm, I'm talking in circles. Oh, you're good. I'd say that that's always been the, the conundrum for me. It's like, you know, I've tried, I've tried again this off season to really kind of, you know, put it into, you know, buckets or compartments, however you want to, you know, mention it. But it's like, you know, sometimes it just seems like, man, this week's going to be a huge RPO week because this is how they play this week. It's not going to be as much. So you almost feel like you're kind of chasing your tail because every Sunday we're, we're changing the practice plan because, you know, the opponent is a little bit different. So I totally understand your, your dilemma there, coach. Right, and and for us, it was our um, it was our first year of really running RPOs, and so we're kind of all learning on the fly, players and coaches, um, of of how how to go about practicing it. You know, I know as a veer coach um, exactly how many reps I want my quarterbacks to have at running inside veer and, and midline triple and outside veer, and I, I know exactly how many times I want them to. Uh, give the football and pull the football and run it and pull the football and pitch it. I mean, I just know what they need to be proficient at those things. And I didn't with this, even though it's option. Yeah. But it's a different kind of option and it's new and it's something new for me as a coach as well. So we're still working through um, exactly how you practice that. And, you know, with a, with it being a uh, kind of a quick turnaround this past year, here's the job. Good luck. Go to work. Um, and bringing in some new stuff, um, you know, it, it was tough at times. And then, um, like I said, this offseason, we, we've, we've looked at a lot of different things. Um, and, of course, our RPO game is one of them because we do have a quarterback that's pretty good at it. And, obviously, we've got – I told you the tight end that we like to throw it to. Uh, what I didn't mention is we've got a little um, slot receiver who's a jitterbug who's probably, in my opinion, probably an FCS-type guy. Um, his brother's an FCS player also. And so um, he's a guy that we try to get the ball to a lot as well. Um, so the RPO game is a, is a great way to do that with both of those guys. So we're still working through how to practice it uh, proficiently, I guess. That's exactly, uh, you know, exactly like you and, and both Coach Wall said. I mean, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a juggling act because you want to get so much in, but you also want to keep those kids ready to play. Um, tell me a little bit about coach. You mentioned you get to go up to, uh, that, that you've been up to Naval Academy uh, a bunch of times. It's actually before all this stuff came through me and me and coach walls were kind of making plans to go to the, the army Navy game. And, and I know it's not at Naval Academy, but, uh, you know, up there to watch that with everything going on and, and, you know, with, you know, army and Navy and, uh, something we've always wanted to watch, but, I've been up to the Air Force Academy, but never to the Naval Academy. Is it? I would assume probably just as stunning, just as cool of a of a uh, of a scene getting to go up and and be on that base. Yeah, um, and I'll I'll give my uh, shameless plug for the Naval Academy now, but it's it's <laughs> Annapolis is the most beautiful city that I've ever been in. Um, now, there's two, different, there's two different parts to Annapolis. There's Annapolis, the city, and then there's downtown Annapolis. The downtown area is beautiful. Um, butts up to the Chesapeake Bay. <clears throat> a lot of the sidewalks are cobblestone. Um, you know, the, the Treaty of Paris was signed in a hotel there in the basement, and they still have that hotel. Uh, so it's just a lot of history to the, to the town. 
There's a lot of pride when you walk down the street. There's Navy flags flying everywhere. And then um, you go on the base. And, of course, I'm sure with, with any military base, you know, there's the, the uh, all the stuff that goes with that, the, the you know, the, the beauty of the base and the awe when you walk in and you see all the stuff. Uh, um, so I'm sure that that's that way with everything. But um, the Naval Academy is a special place to me. Um, like I said, we've been, geez, we've probably been about eight times now. And uh, the coaching staff there, obviously, Coach Niamatololo does a great job. And uh, he's got great assistance. But in addition to that, I mean, that staff's been together for the most part. I know they went through a, a little bit of a change on defense recently, but that offensive staff has stuck together. And um, their old line coach, uh, he recruits our area here. And uh, he's a guy that, um, to be honest with you, the first time we went, my wife surprised me on the trip. And she had been in contact with him. Um, so it tells you a little bit about the kind of guys there. You know, this random lady from Kentucky emails you to say, hey, my husband's coming to the clinic. I'm going to surprise him. And he kept it a surprise and knew who we were when we got there. And um, they've just – they anytime we go, they open their facilities up to us. And, you know, I could watch film. I can be on the practice field, um, which their practices are open to the public. But, I mean, it's just a, a very family-friendly atmosphere. Uh, our youngest son loves going uh, and getting out on the field. And, and we've got a – Bowling Green has a player, uh, a former player that is now there, Jamel Carruthers. You may have seen him play on Saturdays. Um, he, he's a former running back here at Bowling Green High School. So that just kind of adds to it now that when we go up there for a visit. Um, I've got a former player that's up there as well that, that went to Greenwood High School. He's not a player for the academy, but he's a, um, a mid and uh, – so there's just a lot of connections there for us, and it's just a, a beautiful city, beautiful, beautiful uh, place, and, and a wonderful uh, program. That's awesome. It, it makes me it makes me want to uh, find my way up there, Coach. Um, so so kind of you know here here towards the end, but always thinking as an offensive line coach, it's easy for me to get along with all the offensive linemen. It's kind of what I was. I understand offensive linemen. I'm probably very similar to them, um, and and I played the same position as them and um, was kind of the nerdy big fat kid going through school too and, and kind of understand them. Um, and then I think probably the always to me the biggest question is how would I turn into an OC or, or then like you do an OC and a head coach at some point? How did you morph your relationships with getting along easily with offensive linemen to getting along with every position there is? Um, even the dreaded defensive backs, in my mind, they're they're the dreaded <laughs> defensive backs. To uh, in, in college, they were anyways. They're not too bad in high school, but uh, in college, the dreaded defensive backs. You got to be on the same wavelength as them and offensive linemen. Was that something that came easily to you? Was that something that you had to work through? Um, you know, just so many different personalities. It's it's kind of funny to me, just by position. Or so even quarterbacks. I mean, dealing with quarterbacks can be you know, completely different. Um, and so how, how did you, how did you go through that? Did you notice, were you, were you nervous about that? Did you notice any big difference? Um, can you kind of talk through that? Um, yes. Uh, there is a difference when dealing with old linemen versus skill guys. You're, <laughs> you're exactly right there. Um, you know, an old lineman, you, you, you treat them like an old dog, you know, you'll kick them and they'll come back for more and, you know, you love on them a little bit and they're, then they're, they're loyal for life. Um, so, you know, as when I became a head football coach, um, I still coach the offensive line. And so I, I maintain, I've been an O-line coach. I, I said I've coached 21 years. 20 of those years, I coached the O-line. So um, this last year was my first year not coaching the O-line. Um, and I felt like it was important to me to be with our skill guys this past year as I'm working through the offense and learning on the fly. I just felt like it was important to be with the skill guys as well. And I, I was very fortunate. We've got a, a young O-line coach here. Um, he and I coached together uh, in 18 when I came back. Um, he was he was kind of, uh, you know, I was the O-line coach, but he was working with me. And so he saw how I wanted things done and you know, picked up on the terminology that I used. 
um, and did a, did a fabulous job last year. Took a tremendous amount off of my plate and enabled me to go work with the skill guys because, I mean, you know, you, you can have great skill guys, but if, if up front people are pouring through your O-line, uh, whether it's in the run game or pass game, you've got issues. And uh, so it was just a relief to have that young man be able to take over our O-line and do a great job. Having said that, uh, he and I have talked, and I'll, I'll spend some more time with those guys this year, but it's more because I'm more comfortable now um, with our offense and and he he needs I think you need two two guys working with your O line maybe not all practice long but for certain periods, mm-hmm. um, so you know that was that was a that was an adjustment for me not being around the O line, but um, as far as working with the other kids I mean I you know I, I I've been two years now back here and I, I think your relationships are built in the weight room. That's the first and foremost thing that I believe uh, what goes on in the weight room with those kids that builds your relationships. And so kids, kids know, um, I'm not sure how it is with everybody else, but in our weight room, um, we're fast paced, up tempo. There's, it's loud. There's people yelling, you know, get the weight on the bar, get the bar out of the rack. Whistles are blowing. We do everything on a timer. And so, you know, when you're in that type of environment, and you've got coaches, you know, lighting into you for not getting your job done on in a timely manner. Um, but then when you're done, you put your arm around them and you love on them and you, you ask them how their mom's doing and things like that. And it builds those relationships. And then the second place I think is up in the school building. Um, you know, you're building the relationships with those kids. And so, um, you know, Coaching those guys was easier for me. It was an easier transition for me because of the relationship I had with them. If I'd have just walked over to the skill player positions, uh, you know, without really knowing those kids, it probably wouldn't have been an adjustment because I, you know, I can I can remember early on, you know, the O lineman grabbing those skill guys in the locker room and saying, "Look, Coach Sebo, you know, he, he, you better be running where you're going. You better be doing this. He'll he'll chew your rear end." Because that's how I had done with the old line, and I did do that with the school guys. But the old line guys, you know, they're they're used to that stuff, and their their rear end's pretty tough. They have to be that way. So um, they were just wanted to give their skill guy buddies heads up. <laughs> that's that's good looking out. Well, well, coach, um, coming up on an on an hour. Uh, but the thing I always like to ask guys before we let them go is is when you're watching another team's offensive line. What's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly other offensive line coach? Wow. Um, stance, first thing. Um, I, I feel like, you know, and, and how the I, – I, when I say that, I'm not just talking about it as an individual. I'm talking about as a unit, the five of those guys, how they look. Um, footwork coming off the football. Um, and And then – Probably, and this, excuse me, this probably is most important, is just the physicality that they come off the ball with. Um, you know, I've seen really good-looking offensive line guys that weren't very good offensive line players. Um, and I'm sure you guys have as well. And, it, and a lot of it is, you know, they come off the ball soft. They come off, um, you know, higher or, or when they make contact, their feet stop, all those type things. Uh, so when you get an O-line that, that is, is doing the things the right way, low pad level, coming off the football, accelerating their feet on contact, hitting an aiming point with their, with their mouth or with their hands, depending on how you want to coach things, um, that's the type of stuff. When I look at it on film, and I'm like, yeah, those guys know what they're doing over there. Coach, man, really appreciate you, you know, coming on. This, uh, this hour flew by. I learned a ton, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll probably be reaching out to you and, and asking some questions and, and seeing how it all goes out there in Bowling Green. And I, I've, already, I've already got the, uh, the text message in as, as we're doing it there. And, unfortunately, our, our connection's at, at Army with, uh, with Coach Drinkall, so I've already got the text message <laughs> in. But, but uh, Harp and I, we definitely want to go. That was kind of one of our goals. We want to go to an Army-Navy game. So I'm already starting to work for, for tickets. But yeah. You need to. It's, it's a great experience. I've been to one. Uh, unbelievable experience. So you need to go. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.